Hello everyone, this is Art Stemmel with your third installment of the Arctic Ole, and this one goes out to all my friends in the French Riviera, and all of France. Let's not be uh, too limited in what we are trying to understand here. And it's an article entitled Napoleon Bonaparte and the Holy Roman Empire, again by uh, Mr. Rowan Pizzo. It seems to be putting out some really good stuff here. I thought I'd share this article that he wrote back in February of 2015. So let's get started. What does one usually think of when they think of Napoleon Bonaparte? Those who think of Napoleon today either think of some dull study of him in history class or have an image of him through the various satires made at his expense. When the fact of the matter is that without Napoleon and what he did, we may well never have escaped living in a world dominated by the Holy Roman Empire. That is, we may never have gotten to the point that we are today in terms of freedom and technology. We could be living in another dark ages. Did Napoleon know what he was doing? I think that he knew it very well. He took down the Holy Roman Empire. And something on the scale just doesn't happen by chance. The Holy Roman Empire was a cooperation between European and other royalty with the Catholic Church. The Holy Roman Empire was an idea that had already secretly been in place in the Roman Empire itself, but revived by Charlemagne and his descendants who had implemented it during Charlemagne's grandson's time, a cooperation that allowed both church and royal states to maximize their control and authority over the masses, to gain wealth and power by using and abusing the masses, while keeping any power or say from the common people. That was one of the main things that had angered the starving French people during their revolution. How could Napoleon possibly take down the Holy Roman Empire? Napoleon was not an ordinary man. He had a passion for military strategy and had learned all he could. He planned what he was going to do and how to do it. And when he was born into a position to do all these things, and he was born into a position to do all these things, rather, though most people will not know it, Napoleon was born into an inner circle family. At that time, that meant he was both royal and papal descent. That means he had knowledge of both royalty and popes. The common people did not. Being, quote, inner circle meant that he knew the truth about Christianity being a fraud, and he knew who had created it. And he, and most royalty of his time, as well as the popes, of course, were descended from that person, Arius Calpurnius Piso. As a child and through his teenage years, he studied and learned from history. He read all the great military campaigns of the past, such as those of Alexander the Great and of Arius Calpurnius 
Pisa, writing under his various pen names like Flavius Josephus, Napoleon knew of the interactions, the cooperation between certain allies within the Holy Roman Empire, and of the supply routes of his enemies. He knew all of the topography in various people and regions, and of course, languages. Everything possible to consider before going into battle. This was most intimate. This was most intimate knowledge on his part. If anyone could do this, it was him. He knew how it all operated, and he knew the people who were operating it. And he had known this all of the highest degree for a very long time. He knew exactly when and where to strike, and he did. Remember, he, Napoleon, was a product of the very people and system that was in place. He could have went along with it all and had all the wealth and luxuries that went along with it. But instead, he chose to help free the people from the tyranny of the Holy Roman Empire. He knew that it would be only a matter of time before it conquered the entire world if it was not stopped while it could be stopped. It was up to him. He knew that someday people would come to understand what he had done for them. I have a certain affinity for Napoleon and of all the others who have tried to free the world from those who would impose dark ages upon them. This is why I do my work. In short, Napoleon, like so many before him and after him, gave of himself for your sake. He lived his life as he had, prepared it in all the finest detail and carried it all out, leaving himself as he had in the end and did all because he was the only one who could do it. And he had the conscience that would allow him to do nothing less. In truth, Napoleon did for you and all generations after him much, much more than any false Jesus ever had. And you would probably have never known it if not for people who such as myself have dared to tell you. Did Napoleon meet his Waterloo? Of course. But didn't he also meet his actual objective? Yes. There is so much more that the world still does not know. For instance, though Napoleon had brought down the Holy Roman Empire, the popes and royalty behind it tried to revive it two more times. And it took a world war in both instances to stop it. The Holy Roman Empire was known as the Reich. R-E-I-C-H. Incidents in 1871 sparked the beginnings of what would later turn into World War I. Officially, World War I is thought of as beginning in 1914 when it became a, quote, world war, ending in 1918. But this was also known by those who knew it for what it was, the Second Reich, which is why Germany and its concurred territories were called the Third Reich. By the way, contrary to what most people have been led to believe, the Catholic Church helped secretly with the revival of the Reich because they would have been the beneficiaries of it. They would have been co-rulers of the world, again, in concert or unison with the royalty and territorial rulers within the empire. Though it may never be proven beyond any doubt whatsoever, Hitler had most certainly initiated the destruction of the Jewish people 
as part of his secret deal or for support from the Catholic Church. Everywhere any knowledgeable person looks, he sees motives of the church in effect, but with the church itself appearing to have little or no involvement. Remember, the leaders of the church knew the truth about the religion and that were leading and selling to the people and were lying about it. They knew how it succeeded and how it lasted for so long. They then also knew how to make things appear should something go wrong. The best thing for them would have been for the Third Reich to have succeeded and then bow to the church and give full religious reign to the Catholic Church. As I have told you, for most recorded history, it was not the ordinary common people who were doing the recording. It was royalty. In order to succeed at what they were doing, they had to create illusions and lie. It would not have worked had they not done it all just the way they had to. They certainly could not come right out and say they were lying, nor could they say who they really were, at least not openly. As time went on, royal connections of those writing became less known and emphasized. Freedom of the press was coming about, and in order to let other inner circle authors know that they too were inner circle, they would have to let out bits of information here and there. Only I dot C members would know I see standing for inner circle. Someday what I have been telling you will not seem strange at all. It will be the catalyst that has changed the world. As O. Henry, a.k.a. William Sidney Porter, had said in The Door of Unrest, "'Tis a lie,' said he, like nine-tenths of what ye call history. But history lies, as I have told ye. And one of the my all-time favorites, Lord Byron, a.k.a. George Gordon, in Don Juan 14, "'Tis strange, but true, for truth is always strange, stranger than fiction. If it could be told, how much would novels gain by the exchange?' How differently the world would men behold, were things but only called by their right name. Caesar himself would be ashamed of fame. As researchers of Napoleon know, he spent a lot of time studying not only history, but his own genealogy. Napoleon's public genealogy did not dare give out information about his more contemporary royal and papal relatives. However, if an experienced genealogical researcher were to dig deeper and know both where to look and what to look for, they may very well uncover the information. As for myself, I chose to focus upon his genealogy going back as far as resources, as far as sources would allow. Below is a straight line stemma genealogy chart produced through my own research showing Napoleon's descent from Arius Piso and ancestry from several popes. And he finishes the article with this genealogy list of all the names that I won't read here in this article, but I will put a link to it in the show notes where you can pull this article up and read the rest of these names and the notation section. Again, I've been reading today the article number three, Napoleon Bonaparte and the Holy Roman Empire by Rowan Pisa. Thanks for tuning in, and th thank you to all my French listeners and downloaders. You guys are incredible. I'm reading about your uh, history, your, your culture, and uh, 
I think it's just fascinating. Love to get over there and visit you guys sometime. Um, oh, and by the way, thanks for the French fries. This is Art. We'll see you next time.